You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to the Game Corner on Nerd to Know Media. My name is Kieran Calcourt and I have two wonderful guests with me today. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves, actually? Hi, I'm uh, Fionnan Parr. And I'm Ashin Parr. And it's great to have you guys on now. So I understand that you guys have been off school for, what, the last two months since the lockdown, is it? How have you guys been managing? Well, we've really been staying at home and playing board games a lot, so I guess this is perfect. Nice. So, board games, are you having to do, like, lessons from home then or anything like that, or? Um, yeah, classes at home, um, but, you know, fairly just normal school times. Okay, and, like, you can be honest now, because uh, neither of your parents here, do you miss it at all, or are you, like, enjoying the time off, like? Well, I suppose we can get up later, um, so that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing the exact same thing. I totally sympathize. All right. So, uh, guys, off the air, you were telling me that you've been playing board games. So what kind of board games have you been playing? Well, we've been playing a couple of different kinds. A lot of the time, it's kind of shorter games as opposed to longer games. But um, the two big ones we've been playing is Smash Up and Betrayal at House on the Hill. I've heard of Betrayal at House on the Hill, but tell me about Smash Up first. I did a quick bit of Googling. This involves, like, pirates and aliens and dinosaurs. Like, how, how does this game work? So, it's a, it's a card game. There's no board or anything. Um, the base game comes with eight. They're called factions. So, the way the game works is you choose two factions. So, let's just say uh, you choose the ninjas and the dinosaurs. Right. You shuffle the two decks together and you draw your hand. Uh, there's minions and actions. Each turn you can play one minion and one action, and you're trying to win on these bases. The bases have numbers on them. Um, if you win on the base and have the most power, because your minions have power, you get the most amount of point number. You get the highest number on the base, the most amount of points, and it's the first one to 15 points wins. Okay, so it's, it's a card up. game, but you also have to like take different bases. So is it kind of a bit combat-based then, or is it just kind of numbers yeah. like... It, it's less combat and more just kind of, you know, trickery, trying to build up more and move the other guy's minions around. It's right. kind of like a deck building kind of game, you know, and obviously there's expansions which add more and more. We have how many 40 plus factions now from the yeah, original Yeah, so we have wow. most of them. Yeah, and uh, each deck consists of like 20 cards. So it's, you know, it's not like a big cumbersome thing you have yeah. to carry around with you. Like it's, it's the, the appeal of it that we find is it's fairly quick. Yeah, that's about 40 minutes to an hour, Max. Yeah. And okay. the turns go by pretty quick as well. Because yeah. that's what and I was going to with... ask you about, guys. Like, uh, we play a lot of board games in the house, but we find that it's like, especially with expansions, it's like it can take 15, 20 minutes to set up and put away. So this one's nice and straightforward, is it? You grab, two minutes to set yeah, up. Two you grab minutes. two decks in the box. Every player grabs two decks, um, shuffle them up, and once somebody goes first, you just go through you play your two cards you pick up two cards it's the next guy's turn and it's um it's it's really good game because there's no set limit of who of amount of people who can play so you really only need if you want four people to play and base the base game comes with eight factions four people can play if you get the expansion adds another four now six people can play so like every expansion more people can play 
Okay, and you talked about expansions. So I already know that there's like dinosaurs and aliens in it and stuff, but what kind of characters do the expansions give you then? So the, the game came out like a couple of years ago. So originally the expansions were just kind of adding more kind of factions that the devs uh, assumed like were cool or whatever. So you've got like steampunks, ghosts, etc. But then they started kind of getting themed. So there was like a Cthulhu themed expansion. There was like, um, you know, science fiction themed expansion. We've got a couple of different ones. They started going with like themes after that. So, but a lot of them are just miscellaneous pop culture or other things. Okay. So like things from horror movies and that kind of stuff, like... Yeah, there's yeah. a horror movie one. Then there's also one that's kind of like Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Trek kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and like Game of Thrones and stuff. Yeah, they've got like loads of random ones. Um, and it's good. Like it's good. That's excellent. And do you guys have like favorite types you like to play as? Then, um, well, <laughs> Oshin actually has a spreadsheet so he can record <laughs> um when he wins and loses and what works the best. But, <laughs> He just loses a lot, so yeah, I don't true. know. I don't know if the spreadsheets are that useful. So <laughs> that is excellent. Okay, and based on your spreadsheets, which ones do you think are the most effective, Ushin? Well, there's some which are like kind of objectively broken. Like we have kind of rules at the table that people don't pick certain factions unless you want to win. A lot of the <laughs> earlier, a lot of the earlier game ones are a lot more powerful, and then they kind of started balancing them in the later expansions. But that's not to say like you can't use them. It just means some are stronger than others. Like um, the aliens, I think, is one that we all yeah, accept. Yeah. Pretty, they, they're all about basically beaming cards up. Each faction kind of has a motif, and they're all right. about beaming cards up to other players' hands again. So you think you spend your turn playing at a minion, then you lose it again. And then they colonize another base and like while you're off it. And they can get loads of points and lack of power pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, so every sort of deck has its own sort of special ability or power. So exactly. that's why yeah. you need to strategize with different combinations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so some work better with others. If some deck, if like say the steampunks play a lot of uh, action, or the wizards even play a lot of actions, so you want, might want to take something like steampunks that have lots of actions in their deck because they kind of like uh, they work well with each other. Okay, so you've got some which are kind of good at fighting and some which have kind of complementary abilities. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah, they're all different, and a lot of them have similar-ish, because once you have this money, they can do so many things. They're similar-ish kind of things that they do, but it's varied enough that they're always going to be different. Like, Yeah. Okay, and like, how often would you guys play this game, then? At least once a day. Honestly, really? Once a day. It's us and our dad, and we'd be playing this like fairly often. Yeah. Like, because it's quick to set up, so like you can set it up kind of whenever, and it's quick to play. Okay, well then you kind of answered my next question for me. Is it, just in case anyone listening at home hears about this, is it an easy enough game to learn then? Yeah, yeah it is. Um, the game has basically a simple core concept of bases, which are these randomized cards that like come out. Then you've got, and then every player's got minions and actions, pretty much. Minions go down, actions augment the minions or do something to the other guy's minions. Minions have their own little thing they can affect. And um, you want to build up the power, and it's fairly simple to learn. It takes about 15, 20 minutes to learn, you know, yeah. the first time. And yeah, you know, there's new concepts introduced in some of the expansions, but the core rules are fairly simple. Okay, and where did you guys come across this game in the first place then? Um, in Gamers World in town, um, just by Parnell Street. Nice. Um, it's, it's, um, we were, it was really our, the first. No, kind like of important. Bird. No, but like you know, the first like yeah. big board game we got, um, 
And yeah, then we started kind of going back to Gamers World and we picked up a couple of other ones like Betrayal or Has No. We got it as a recommendation in the shop. Like we were just kind of talking to the land and we're like, you know, because this is maybe four years ago, was it? Something yeah. like that? And we were just kind of like, hey, you know, what's good? Starting out with board games. And he recommended this is a fairly simple, easily expandable. So if you enjoy it, you can get more. If you don't, you've only bought the Ace original. You know, it's not too much. Mm-hmm. And he recommended it and it was really worthwhile. Like it's really worthwhile. Nice. So thanks, Gamers World on Parnell Street. And I suppose the mark of a really good game is that it's easy to pick up, but there's loads and loads of ways that you can play it every single time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very simple. And like, n- no two games are the same. Well, unless everybody picks the same factions, but you know. That's <laughs> kind of, you're on and uh, Fianon, you kind of covered this already, but like, uh, between, you said you play it with your dad, right? Uh, yeah, myself, my brother, and my dad all play it. Yeah. So who um, tends to win the most then? To be honest, myself, <laughs> like a lot. I'd say it's two out of every three games. Oh, yeah. No, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, there, there, shots fired. Yeah, there was a space where, you know, I, I, I lost for, for a bit maybe last year and I didn't play for a couple of months maybe because of that. But, you know, it's back now with the lockdown, all back to playing again. Back with the spreadsheets. <laughs> Are the spreadsheets helping, by the way? I've been winning more. I have okay. been winning yeah, more. He's winning like one in every nine or ten games now. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I may need you to send Don a few of those spreadsheets because I always <laughs> lose in board games to my fiance. And I don't know what her secret ability is. So, yeah, give me off the air. Give me your technique. I need to find out about this. So that's awesome, guys. That's Smash Up. Uh, what kind of other games have you been playing then? Well, another another one we play a lot and we have been playing for a while um, is Betrayal at House in the Hill. Oh, this is kind of a famous one. How does it work? Yeah. So the idea is is the, the basically it takes like that kind of 80s home of people in an abandoned house and you walk into the entrance hallway and the void to begin with is only one room. And as okay. you explore the house, there's tiles which build the house as you go. It builds kind of the void as you move about the house. So it's always different. Yeah, it's always different. It's randomizing kind of rooms. Uh, you've got like four floors to the house that you're moving up through. And in the rooms, you can come across like monsters, ghouls, whatever. And at some point in the game, one of the players is revealed to be a traitor and the bad guy, the villain of the story. And then he, for the last half of the game, has to work against the rest of the good players. And there's loads of different scenarios. It, it gives you like a book of a hundred different scenarios. Yeah, yeah. It's every, every like... Uh... There's and there's like an expansion you're able to get, which adds an extra, I think, fifty. Uh, it, it adds a lot. Yeah, yeah, it adds a lot of new scenarios to the game, um, and it's just really interesting because you could be playing a game, uh, you could be playing the game, and suddenly you find out that the person you thought that you were working with and you thought was your ally the entire game turns out to be like Dracula or something, something like <laughs> off the wall. But, and you just have to try and roll yeah. with the punches, yeah. The best, and, win. and the best part is the player who is the villain doesn't know he's the villain up until everyone else knows he's the villain. It, it's random. It's, so that's what know. I was going to ask. So you could be playing as the villain and not know it throughout the whole game. Yeah. yeah. So as you build, you find, as you build the house, you find what's called omens, like, you know, bad omens for the um, eventual turn. And once a certain amount of those have been reached and you roll rolling dice the whole time, if at some point you roll under the amount of omens in the game uh, with your dice, the haunt begins and the book will tell you like, oh, if you picked up this omen in this room, then the player who's the bad guy is this person. And so it might be the person who picked up the omen. It might be the person with the highest in a certain stat because each of the characters has different statistics. Yeah. So. 
Okay, so that's really good. So it's, I'm guessing this is a game where you have to work together up until the point that you discover who it is, right? Yeah, but you always kind of want to, you always want to be on edge because if you have this, like you, because there's cards in the game, so each room you might get to draw like an omen or an item or an event happens or something. So if you're drawing all these good cards and, you know, somebody else goes, oh, you know, that's really good because I have that one and you have loads of other cards, you give them a card. It might turn out they're a traitor and they might use the same card you give them to kill you later on in the game. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with what you do. Oh my god. And like up until we discover who the real villain is, like what do you do in each room? Do you go up, do you search for things? Do you up go up against monsters? What are you kind of doing throughout the game? So as you travel, as Fanon kind of alluded to, uh, each room you explore has three different effects. It either has an event, an item, or an omen. Omens are powerful objects that bring you closer to the eventual haunt beginning, which is when the bad guy turns. Uh, items are just tools you find around the house. They can be anything from like a camcorder to a shotgun or anything. And then events are things that happen to you in the room. And they could be anything from ghosts appearing to the room disappearing and reappearing somewhere else in the house. And so these three things just continue to happen. You've got little decks where you draw event codes, item codes, Roman codes, which affect the game as you play it. Okay. And like, I'm guessing you collect these cards later on for when you need them, right? Or can they, like, what are you collecting them for? Like, Well, events are happen in the moment. They're instant. Items can be used later now whenever, and omens ha- can be used kind of like items, but more magical. Okay. Okay. And like, um, how often would you play this one then? Um, it's a bit of a longer board game. It'd probably be like an hour and a half. Um we probably only play this at the moment we're playing it a lot less but we normally play it about once a week or maybe two weeks that's still a lot like and i gotta ask who ends up being like the secret trader the most um well it, it does depend on the character you pick and stuff but yeah, like it is it is fairly random it's fairly even odds for everyone but there's okay. some haunt events which don't even have a trader or where everyone's the trader like there's some where there's just I don't know, Fanon, you can take this on, I'm sure. Um, like, I suppose there's one where um, the entire house gets, like, attacked by these giant birds, and it's like, you know, the birds, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Alfred yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to work together to try and, like, escape and stop these things from tearing you to bits. Um, and in that one, yeah, no one's a traitor. You're all buddy-buddy and friends. Okay, so it's it's not a guarantee. It's, it's, it's different every time, like... Yeah, yeah, but there's probably only about three or four that are like yeah. who work together, and probably only one or two where everybody's evil. Yeah, so like they really do very like one for example is like a saw esque one where everyone's inside these like traps and has to go to certain rooms, find keys, you know, do the things. And then other ones could be the traders working with cultists and trying to eat the rest of the players. So like this, it's it's fun, you know. Yep. And they're all a little bit goofy. Um, there's a little bit of humor behind them all. Like, you know, the players get turned into monkeys or get turned into little ants or whatever. You know, and they're good. They're fun to play. And the events are really well written, I think. It's the good part. Yeah. A lot of good flavor all, text. All the cards you draw have, like, little kind of bios on them. So um, they kind of explain to you what the card does before you actually, like, read what it does. So it's like you have all these really dramatic – you draw a card and it has something, like, really dramatic. But you might have only just drawn, like, a camera. But it has, like, a really dramatic opening. Um, and it kind of puts you into the game and and it's very intriguing 
Uh, apologies if you heard my dog barking in the background, by the way. But uh, yeah, you've kind of hit upon this already, but I was going to ask, what kind of monsters are in this game in general? You've mentioned the birds, you've mentioned Dracula, like kind of, are we talking like original kind of characters or are they all brand new or what kind of stuff's in it? Some are original, uh, you know, some are like really creative kind of ones of um, like just varying things of like the player, the trader can be anything from like, you know, your generic mad scientist to your embodiment of an evil god from an alternate reality or whatever. But then a lot of them as well have kind of pop culture ones, like we mentioned, like Dracula, then there's also like Frankenstein, the mummy, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So you've got like your generic kind of 80s, 90s horror culture but then you also have independent creative stuff like uh you know they, their own version take on like certain like crazy serial killers and stuff you know yeah it's interesting okay and i'm guessing there's expansions for this as well then you said you picked a few up there's there's one there's one expansion to this um so far it does add a lot to the game Um, it adds uh it basically kind of doubles the game it adds um, I think 150 or 100 new scenarios to the game. It adds a whole new floor yeah. to the building. Like it adds new items. It adds new elements. Just kind of adds new everything. Um, and yeah, it's good. Uh, it doesn't change the rules. So like you don't have to learn a whole new set of rules. It just kind of makes the game better. Okay, and actually you hit on something I wanted to get back to, which is you said that you make the map of the house as you're going along. Yeah, so um, you don't know, so each room, like let's say you explore, has a set number of doorways in it, so you don't know what's outside that room, there's nothing down on the actual table, you just have the room you're in, and then when you go into the next room, a new tile is is, uh, uncovered and added to that. Okay, so is it random, or do you get to pick, or like? Completely random come like you have no idea what's going to come up and there's probably like yeah. maybe 30 to 40 tiles for each floor so you're not even going to get out all the tiles in each game in the base game each tile there's three floors there's basement um ground floor upper floor and each tile will have on the back of it ground basement upper sometimes both sometimes all three you know any amalgamation of this and um Basically, these tiles, so all you know about the tile before you draw it is this tile specialized for the upper room, just so they don't have things like, you know, the furnace room in the attic or whatever. You know, they, they have it kind of sensibly laid out in that respect. But otherwise, the tiles are completely random, and that's all you know before you do it. Okay, and like, what is it about this game that makes it one of your favorites to play then? Because when you're playing the same, like, we are playing, let's say, the same game, Betrayal, um, every time, but it's completely different even though it's the same game. I wouldn't say, like, you're never going to play a game where you have exactly the same tiles out, exactly the same events happen, the same haunt happens, the same person's the haunter. You're being the same character because there's loads of different characters you can be. Um, it's just, you. it's new. It's a new experience every time. Okay, and what's the most amount of players you've played the Betrayal one with then? Y- you can only play with five or six, I think. Um... But there's 12 characters, so like each character card on the opposite side has a different character. So um, it's... We play with we, about five. Yeah, we normally play with about three, but we, we play with five sometimes if like people are over and stuff. Okay. Okay, and I uh, just uh, got to ask, did you find this one in the shop on Parnell Street as well? or? 
Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. This is another good early recommendation as well. This like was we probably got, the second. It might have even been before we got Smash this Up. King of New York and Smash Up. we like the three early ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And nice. we played those three just so they're the ones like we know some of the best because they're fairly simple to learn. This one's a little bit more complicated than Smash Up, but but like a lot of the rules are like haunt dependent, so different kind of yeah. trader turnings have special rules. And there's two rule books: one for the bad guys, one for the good guys. And the bad guys are obviously go to separate room to read there. Sometimes there's multiple bad guys if you're playing with more players. Oftentimes there's one. So it's really simple, but we picked it up relatively early on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you mentioned a New York game then. We've got about, uh, say, about five minutes left. Do you want to talk about this board game or do you want to talk about video games you've been playing? Um, I suppose King of New York, because it can also be quite brief, because we don't play it as much anymore. We played it a lot when we first got it. King of New York is like your typical kind of kaiju slug them out you have your you oh i was not are, expecting this to be a kaiju thing <laughs> yeah yeah you, you play as like this massive monster attacking new york city there's like the bronx there's queens manhattan Staten island they have all the islands and you gotta kind of like it's not about killing the other guys and like becoming the most powerful it's you want to get famous so everybody will know you so you gotta like destroy famous yeah. buildings you gotta take out other you gotta take out like military divisions and stuff and take control yeah. of islands and the stuff. point of the game is that you're a giant monster, as you said, attacking the city, but all the other players are also giant monsters attacking the city at the same time, and you all are fighting for the spotlight. Yeah. You, you can fight the other giant monsters if you want, but really, the, the easier way to win is to become the most famous giant monster attacking the city. You want to end up like Godzilla, like not like Mothra. You want people to know you. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a big name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so this isn't this isn't a monster fighting game this is a monster pr game yeah exactly and as <laughs> you go your monsters get upgrades and you upgrade your monster to make them do loads of things you know they they can become better at fighting sure but other upgrades are like make some superstars and they become like celebrity divas is one of the monster cards yeah and it, it, they're very good artwork and very funny is like again the game Okay, it sounds brilliant. Like, and how do you make your monster more famous? You mentioned taking down like buildings, but is there anything else like? Um, yeah, you can like draw certain cards. Like, um, there's one of them which is after you take out three tank divisions, you're able to like get this special card, which is called the Statue of Liberty, and you team up with a living Statue of Liberty, and it like gives you extra fame. <laughs> um, there's and the there's loads of cards like that. Yeah, there's like so each turn. Yeah, you'd roll the dice, right? And the dice have six sides of the dice, but they won't have numbers on them. They'll have like gain help, attack, um, be a star, what's it, destroy a building and gain energy. And gain energy, which is like the currency in the game. Right. And uh, you want to try and collect combos. For example, if you get three gainer stars, you become the superstar and you become like the celebrity monster for that round. And everyone else wants to take that off you. And so you're kind of battling there. And as the game goes on, you kind of roll more, you get cards that modify your rolls and you move around the board, because it is also like a board-based game. Everyone wants to get onto Manhattan, the biggest island, but while you're on Manhattan, you're also in the most danger, because you can't heal. So sometimes it can be an advantage to be somewhere less famous, like Queens or Staten Island, you know? Okay, so there is actual like fighting in it. Do you, the monsters fight each other, or are you fighting the, the police? Monsters, like... The monsters fight the army, and the army spawns in more and more as, the, as you destroy buildings. But also monsters can fight each other. Any monster on, Staten, uh, on Manhattan even can be attacked by all the monsters off Manhattan. And any monsters off Manhattan can only attack the monster on Manhattan. So you get more points and more fame by being there, but you're more likely to take damage. And you have to leave after a bit, basically. 
Okay, so it's a bit of a push and pull because you want to get more famous, but the more famous you get, the more the army comes after you and the more likely you So it's you kind of got to balance it out, like? Yeah. yeah. And when, so really, you're only going to survive in like Manhattan for like two or three days. Um, because, or two or three turns even, sorry. Because all the other monsters in the game are going to obviously target the guy in Manhattan. So you can, you can, you kind of get forced into Manhattan every now and then, if you know what I mean. Um, there always to, has to be somebody in Manhattan. Yeah, there always has to be somebody in Manhattan, but you might not want to be in Manhattan. You might be on really low health, and all of a sudden now you're in there and you're going to get taken out in like a turn. You can't do anything about it. Okay, so like, uh, do you get to pick your monster then, or like how? Like the monsters don't have like special effects. They, they just, just kind of look funky. Um, so you've got like giant robots, giant apes. There's a giant fish and giant goldfish bowl is one of them. <laughs> yeah, um, loads of different just funny monsters that go with it, but they all do the functionally same thing. This right. is well as just just as well to be clear, a sequel game to what's called King of Tokyo, which was right. the same game but was just about fighting other monsters. Then and they smaller. remade the game, yeah, in Tokyo. Then they remade the game, set it in New York, and introduced the more fun kind of fame element to the game. And like, we'd recommend this game more. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, it sounds hilarious. And it's not often it's you find like a really funny board game, you know? It, it yeah. is funny, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's the artwork that tells it, because even each of the upgrade codes has a little story about, you know, yeah. like you'd have the one which is like, um, I, I can't even remember what the code says, but it's basically this monster and he's cracking open a university with one of the graduate hats on. You yeah. Know? And he's like <laughs> eating the students and it basically makes you a monster um, more powerful because he's more educated, you know? And so they've got like funny little codes like that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Okay, guys, we've got about one minute left on the clock. Is there any other games you want to plug or anything you want to say on the air? Um, just thanks for having us on, I guess. Uh, it was fun talking about the board games and stuff. And yeah. Don't yeah, if that. you think of any more, just hit us up. We'll either recommend you. You guys are welcome back on anytime. Thanks very much, Gene. All right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Are you a nerd? Do you like hearing about a bizarre range of topics from the world of nerd? Does your heart and hairstyle still belong in the nostalgic 90s? Are you a sucker for spooky weirdo things? Well, whether you're a hardcore nerd or a vanilla ice ice baby, Straight Outta Canto is the podcast radio show for you! Straight Outta Canto, that's K-A-N-T-O, Ireland's number one show for nerd culture, nightmares, nostalgia and more. Straight Outta Canto. And welcome back to the Game Corner. Thanks very much to Ushin and Fianon Power, who are on in our first half. But now we have introduced yourself. Hi, my name is Ushin Wallace. I'm an activities instructor in Dublin. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Ushin. Uh, tell me, how have you been doing since this lockdown began? Have you been keeping yourself busy? Yeah, I've been keeping busy enough. Um, I suppose because I'm usually groups in person and I'm in the kind of services industry all my jobs have been stopped I've just been adhering to the lockdown and staying at home with 
pretty much no real responsibility at all. <laughs> well, in the first half, we were talking to Ushin and Fianon about how they've been kind of adapting to homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. So, but you're an activities instructor. So have you like supplemented the kind of work you do or is it just a clean break for a little while? Well, for my usual job, I like usually axe throwing or indoor climbing. All of that has been shut down. There's not really kind of direct alternatives to them for the businesses. So they've just been shut down completely. But I've been kind of keeping myself busy um, being an, an instructor of some sorts by hosting kind of games nights and different parties for people online over different different software and everything. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about today, I believe, was Jackbox Gaming. So in case anyone who's listening hasn't heard of it, would you mind taking us through what it is? Yeah, well, Jackbox is, they're kind of party packs. So within each Jackbox party pack, there's usually about five games and there's six packs at the moment. So that's like 30 different games, which you can buy separately. Um, and it's been like, it's really good kind of introduction to gaming. It's available on different platforms like PlayStation. But the best thing about it, it only takes a, a game with like several people or even hundreds of people if you include the audience it only takes one person to actually have the game so it's a really good introduction for people who don't usually do much gaming or don't have any software or consoles or anything to actually play games on so it's kind of it's a really good introduction a lot of people have kind of been thrown into this lockdown not knowing what to do and to people who've never been playing games before there's kind of a lot of really easy games to play on to play on there Okay, so and uh, yes, actually, I before sorry to cut across you there, but uh, you invited me on one of these before, and it's kind of a mix and match variety game. So you play some of them with your phone as well as a laptop, don't you? Yeah, the way Jackbox operates is you bring up the game. They're originally designed to be played kind of at a party where all people would be present, mm -hmm. but because each person uses their phone as the effective like controller, you only have it on the main screen and each person used their phone then to play the game. So during the lockdown, if you're using software like Zoom or we play a lot like on Discord as well, you have one person hosting the party, like myself, and then I can just share my screen, share my Jackbox screen, and then everyone at home in their own homes would be able to see that screen and then they'd have their phone open and they just go onto jackbox.tv, enter the specific room code for that game, and then they just play away as well, play along with you. So you'd say that it's a really good thing to invest in for people who may not be get, like really into the board games or high-end kind of console type things. It's very easy to pick up then. Oh, yeah. there's As I was saying, there's kind of five games per party pack. On each party pack, there's a few games that are really, really easy to pick up and to be really good for non-gamers. So the ones I'd recommend would be like Fibbage, um, Quiplash is pretty good, um, just like Bracketeering. They're very, very simple. Some games are kind of designed to be a little bit more quizzical. There's like Fibbage ask questions and you have to like come up with fake answers to try and fool other people 
So it's essentially a multiple choice question. It gives you the question, everyone puts in an answer, and then it brings up everyone's answer plus the correct answer. And you get points for either fooling people with your answer, or if you guess the correct answer then as well, you get points as well. So it's just working on that. So, so like you're saying, that'd be kind of really good for kind of playing on Zoom because you're kind of in those kind of guess who put in the answer games. You're kind of trying to figure out the personalities of the people you're playing with more than the game itself, right? Yeah, you can kind of play that in different ways. You can play it kind of just to have fun by coming up with funny answers and you can really try and like fool people as well. But you have to come up with an answer that's because the questions on them are ridiculous. They're really obscure questions with really kind of funny or ridiculous answers. So you have to come up with something that's ridiculous, but still kind of believable and possible. So it's very, very fun. (laughs) And uh, would you know off the top of your head, it's totally cool if you don't, but would you know off the top of your head some of the weirder questions you've come across in Fibbage then, just to kind of give people some context for this? Oh, I've come across so many now. Um, They've... Let's see, they've added in a few new features, actually, because between the party packs, there's actually, it's up to Fibbage Tree, and they all have a slightly different theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the questions, in the newer one, they've had Celebrity Social Media is one, of the, is one of the rounds, and they just have this famous person, they tweeted this on this day, and you kind of have to t- take out a word or two, and sometimes it's ridiculous. Um, so you kind of have to try and fill in their tweet what they wrote um and as you know twitter is full of famous people tweeting ridiculous things so it it could be absolutely anything yeah that's very true i i gotta say we did actually play the jackbox on a stream with the channel staff once and uh the one we really got stuck on was one where you have to design t-shirts and then put on logos separately if you played that one yeah, that's TKO. That's on the Jackbox Party Pack 3. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you kind of have to, after you start playing some of these games, you kind of have to determine what your audience are into. Some people will love certain games and some mm. people won't. With that, it can get very creative because some people love to draw and just kind of design funny things. But there is a bit of downtime in that because it takes time to kind of draw different things. Mm. So, but it is a very, very fun one. And the theme song, like, of when you're drawing, just keeps getting stuck in my head after every time I play it. <laughs> oh, it's that kind of, like, kind of free license type music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I must say, I really like the way the interface is, because in case anyone hasn't played it, your kind of monitor that everyone can see is kind of like the TV, the main screen but everyone punches in a code, interact with it, and the phone kind of becomes your controller, right? You can answer questions and draw things on it. Yeah, so it's really, really easy to use. So as I said, it's really good for kind of people who aren't gamers or have never played games before. You actually just go onto your web browser on your phone, go to jackbox.tv, and on that site, there's just two little boxes. There's one where you just enter your name that you're going to be using for the game, and just a four-digit code. And on the main screen, when you start the game, it'll have that four-digit code there. You just enter that, press play, and then you're in the game. Throughout the game, then you'll be given prompts depending on what the game is. And it's super easy. 
And I suppose it would have the kind of card against, cards against humanity thing where you kind of start to learn things about each other based on who puts in which joke answers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you really get to learn kind of each person's humor um, <laughs> and kind of creativity and everything like that. So sometimes you can kind of predict what some people are. But in a lot of games, in a lot of different games on it, it kind of, that doesn't really come into it. Sometimes some of the games are really designed just to be funny, like Quiplash um, and like Survive the Internet. They're designed just to be the funniest person. Oh, I haven't heard of Survive the Internet. What's that one? That's, it's a little bit kind of, I wouldn't say trickier, but it's kind of a little bit harder to understand for people who haven't played it before. But what it does is it brings you to different kind of types of web page. Like it could be a crowdfunding site. It could be, these are not actual sites. Like it's just a theme <laughs> crowdfunding. It could be an interview where you, it's like job sourcing. Um, it could be a social network and you have to enter. It'll give you a question. You come up with a response and then it'll give that response to somebody else and they don't know who it was. And they have to come up with ridiculous to make you look really silly writing that response. <laughs> so you have to make up your own question where it makes their response look ridiculous. So, but you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. It is kind of playful and about kind of playing off each other and working together. It's not like a trivial pursuit heavy type thing. It is kind of more fun and playful. like. Yeah, so, so that's what's beautiful about the Jackbox games is there's it's such a variety. Like... With some of the games, it is just about having fun. No one really cares who wins. It's not about winning. Mm. It's just about being funny and having fun. But, and then there's some games where, like, a really good one is Trivia Murder Party, where it is really like a trivia game. And it comes up with questions. People try and it gives multiple choice. You try and guess the right answer. And if you get the answer wrong, everyone who got the answer wrong is brought into this puzzle room and it has really, really creative puzzles where if you get it wrong or you fail, you die. And then the game keeps going, asking questions and playing puzzles until there's only one survivor left. And then that person has to make a run for the exit by answering questions. But all the dead people are trying to then answer the same questions, but they have an adva- like a little advantage and they have to catch up with the person and then they can steal their life force and actually win the game, even though they died during it. So that's one of the games where it's kind of a little bit about winning. Um, so there's, there's such variety. There is kind of a, something for everybody on there. Okay. Well, I think that's an excellent recommendation. And before we move on to one of your other picks, who do you tend to play with us with then? Um, the most, most of the time, I, since the lockdown, I've started hosting a bi-weekly, twice a week, games night with the Jolly Boat crew. The Jolly Boat crew are kind of, it's this community that it started off following a, it's a British comedy music, I suppose, band or duo. And it kind of, it just developed into this really nice, wholesome community of people helping each other, just common interests and everything. And they're really, really nice. So when the lockdown started, they started a really big Discord and with loads and loads of subgroups. So I, within that, I started a Jackbox party group and we 
have it like twice a week. And then I also host like Jackbox nights as well. So for just friends and family and everyone. Okay. Well then you mentioned earlier that people can join in and also people can watch play the game. So maybe if people wanted to watch one of your sessions, where could they find them online? Um, well, the sessions I run with Jollyboat, that's just from their Discord, so we can all talk to each other as well on the right. Discord. Um, so if you follow Jollyboat on Facebook, all the details will be on there, how to join the Discord and everything, and you can, you can kind of go from there, just kind of meet all the Jollyboat folk. Lovely. Okay, well then, Jollyboat's where to find Oshin's uh, Jackbox sessions. You've got about 10 minutes left, so is there anything else you would like to recommend on the air? Yes, actually. Um, I kind of had been really into board games, just like actual in real life board games mm. before all of this started. Um, so I used to hold, host board game parties like at my house, but obviously can't do that anymore. Mm. So with one or two people for like small games, I actually mounted a small sports camera that I had above the, above the table and put out actual board game so you can see we can stream that through the camera and play with people like over over zoom because you can share that screen so that works well for some games like for any games you can think of any board games where you have a hand of cards and you're going against other people it's you can't really do that because they can't have the card you have the cards and you can't just show them without seeing them really um but there's a lot of games like our favorite ones we play. I know it kind of seems a bit, I don't know what the word is, but one of my favorite games to play is probably Pandemic. I've actually heard that's had a spike in popularity recently, if you can believe that. Yeah, the like Plague Inc. and everything on Steam and Pandemic had a recent boost kind of because of the epidemic and everything. But my favorite one is actually Pandemic Cthulhu. It's one of the themed ones of us. It's really fun yes, I think I might have actually played this at yours once. Uh, take us yeah. through how it works. So, pandemic specifically is it starts off where you use like you have the board game is just the actual play board is a map of the world, and you have like the little cubes which represent the different diseases in the different regions, and as you progress every turn, that is kind of spreading, and then. Each person has a role which has different abilities and you have to go around trying to cure the disease while gathering up more and more resources to eventually find like an actual cure and rid the area of the disease. Mm. And as you keep going through the game, it kind of snowballs faster and faster. So you have to try and keep on top of it and research and find a cure and everything and be moving around the whole the whole board while trying to kind of come up with a, a cure. Okay, and is this a game where you're working together with the other players, or are you trying to survive, like, survival against the odds? How does it kind of work in that dynamic? This is a cooperative game. I find that when you're trying to kind of stream games and you're just streaming the board, the only real games you can kind of play are the cooperative games where you're kind of working mm -hmm. together and you can see the other person's cards and everything. So that's a cooperative game where you all try to work together. So you either lose as a team or win as a team. And of course, there's a few changes you can make to make the game harder or easier as well. So it's good in that sense as well. 
Okay, and like I think you're onto a very good point there, which is uh, competitive games. Not only are they hard to do over over kind of Skype and Zoom and all that because cards and things that everyone has to see the board and all that, but at the same, uh, there's also a dimension that like in a weird way when you're seeing friends only over Skype once a week or whatever, there's, I feel like there isn't this want to be competitive. Like even the quizzes I do, we're all on a team together against the quiz. Like, have you found that to your experience with kind of playing online with your friends? Yeah, well, it's a, it's kind of, it's a good idea to, people have the mentality that we're all in this together now. So Mm. people are in a headspace where they are trying to be cooperative and work together. And it feels more like, all of society is trying to be more cooperative and work together as a team to try and win. So I feel like those games kind of work a little bit better. But saying that some people do like a kind of distraction and people are a bit more competitive, so they do like the more competitive games. Yeah. So, but I feel when streaming live games, the cooperative ones work best. Okay, and I've got to ask. So you've got a normal version of the game and a Cthulhu version. What does Cthulhu bring to the table? So the Cthulhu version works a little bit differently. Instead of a disease spreading, what it is, there's different regions and there's just kind of high priests that are trying to raise Cthulhu. So they kind of are expanding and growing and you have to try and kind of keep on top of them, trying to control their population. And every so often, um, like Shagoth appears, and if he gets to the portal, he'll raise Cthulhu instantly and you'll lose. So you kind of really have to keep an eye on those. Um, so it works really well. Every time it's called when the, the, the like, there's loads of different kind of gods. As right. you know, like Cthulhu is one of the big demons. So he's always the end. If he's raised, it's over. But during the course of the game, other, other kind of demons and gods will raise, raise up and they'll have different abilities which will make it harder. So it's one of those games that you have to collect something, so you do that over time. But as time goes on, you have to, it gets harder and harder. So the same style with the original Pandemic. It's very easy at the beginning and it seems like you're doing really well and everything's going fine it's not that it's not like that extreme and you're keeping on top of it fairly easy but it escalates very very quickly so you have to try and get as much done in the beginning as possible to make it easier near the end okay and as far as like kind of slowing down the demons and cthulhu is it a card collecting game is it a dice rolling game like what's your kind of interactivity with it um there are cards. Each person has, again, has their role where they have special abilities. Like some might be able to move faster. Some may be able to set up like stations that people can move to. Um, but each person, you kind of, each turn you collect cards and you need a certain amount of cards to close one of the gates that Cthulhu can rise from. So you kind of, each person, you have to collect a certain amount of cards before you can close a gate. And also, the only dice element to it is whenever something bad happens, you have to roll a die and that either raises more priests or it can take some of your insanity. And of course you can slowly be going insane as well. So once you become fully insane, you lose a lot of your ability and everything kind of makes it harder. So you have to keep on track of that as well. 
Okay, and uh, you've kind of already answered my next question, but would this be a game that's easy to pick up as far as the rules go, or would it be a bit beyond someone who's a bit new to board gaming? Um, It's a fairly simple concept with fairly kind of linear rules. Um, There's just kind of, after like a game or two, you kind of get a little bit of strategy and what to do. But if you have previous, any previous experience with any board game, really, you'll kind of, you'll be able to pick it up really quickly. Um, so you don't need, on like a difficult scale of picking up, it's, it is fairly, relatively easy. Okay, and what's the weirdest thing to have ever happened during a Cthulhu or a pandemic game? Because it sounds like there's a lot of random elements and replayability in it. Well, like any board game, it's kind of, it's not, it sounds kind of story driven because there's a story, there's a lore to it, but it's, each game is like completely different. And of course you can make it harder as well. So one of the weirdest cases we had is one of the rules is there's only a certain amount of priests in the pack. And if more priests arrive, more priests kind of arrive and you don't have any pieces left, you automatically lose. So there's been times where the whole board was just full of priests and we were just trying to get rid of them as quickly as possible to try and like have more priest pieces to put on the board because more <laughs> would be coming back. So it's kind of using a shovel to dig yourself out of a hole. Type <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> kind of dig up stupid type thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. And please tell me, did you, did you manage to salvage that game? Um, that game, no. Um, we weren't able to know. We ran out of pieces on that time now. That is excellent. Okay, uh, Oshin, you have three minutes left on the clock. Is there anything else you want to quickly throw out there as far as recommendations or any stray thoughts or anything like that? Yeah, one of the one of the recommendations I have for um for other type of board games, like when you're playing online, you can actually you can talk and stuff over Zoom, but online gaming, there's the website netgames.io, which um. I found really good. It's been there's been like no bugs or anything like that, and the game's interface actually works really well. They have games like um, the One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which I'm a huge fan of. I love. It takes a little <laughs> bit of kind of getting used to, and you kind of have to play a few games to get really into it and understand it fully. Um, but if anyone has ever played like Werewolf or Mafia or Secret Hitler or anything like that, it's kind of the same premise where it's all about being deceitful and lying. Each person has a role that no one else knows. And then you have to try and you get some abilities, but then you just have to try and discuss with other people and convince other people that you're innocent effectively. And then everyone kind of votes at the end of the night trying to... Okay, I can see that working really well over Zoom. Yeah, that works really well over Zoom, actually, in particular, because you it's really good to see the other people when you're doing that as well. Mm. Yeah, and on that site, they also have like code names, love letter, um, a few different games as well. Some, again, there's a lot of variety, really, some really easy to pick up for first timers, some a little bit more complicated. But on that website, I found the user interface really well. Um, it's really simple, good for first timers, and like there hasn't been any kind of glitches or things where you have to restart the game or anything like that. But. And of course, that's free to play as well. You can just go onto any browser and play that. 
Oh, it's free to play. Okay, I assume it'd be a like a small fee upfront thing, like the Jackbox or something like that. No, that's completely free. Um, online, just netgames.io, and you can play those. One person hosts, and then the other person joins the game and play away. Excellent. So before we wrap, Ushin, uh, your recommendations are the Jackbox games, which can be found on Steam, I believe. Yeah, it's also available on like PlayStation and I think a few other formats as well. But Lovely. I have it on Steam, yeah. Uh, netgames.io and uh, the board games Pandemic with its Cthulhu expansion as an option. So before we wrap, is there anything you'd like to plug or anything like that? Um, not really. I'd recommend people kind of find groups. They kind of set up like similar nice themselves. It's very easy to host. It's very good for kind of keeping in contact with people if people have an excuse and they have fun to play with as well. Um, I suppose I could plug my axe throwing, which is closed at the moment, but if you're around Dublin and you want to do something exciting, you can throw some axes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I've, really, I've, I've heard those classes are great crack. I've been meaning to go for ages. Like, Yeah, unfortunately, we'll be one of the last businesses to be opening back up. But when we're back up, we'll kind of come back out swinging. Excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> and when it goes back up, where can they find your axe throwing then? Um, we're at axeclub.ie. You can find all our details there. You can also find us on um, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Axe Club Dublin. So you'll find us there. Lovely. Well, Ushin, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. And if you have any more recommendations, just give us a buzz and we'll throw them up there. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This has been the Game Corner and we'll see you at the same time next week. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.